1: is everything elite hey! Hey. the world's best podcast devoted exclusively to all elite wrestling and the elite extended universe and doing that thing that uh the skulk used to do hey. <laughs> they might aaron. still do it for all we know yeah no idea no idea uh i'm aaron uh bentley i'm I had to say that because I'm going to be burying Aaron Taub on this very episode. Just want everybody did Uh Joined, as always, on my good friend Nate, a.k.a. Epidysis. What's up, Nate?
2: What's up? Uh, I'm Epidysis. I'm not going to be burying any other Nates, to my knowledge, on this program. Um, what's up? Let's see, very windy today. Do you have wind down where you live, Aaron?
1: Well, I don't live in the windy city, my friend.
2: But you, but so you don't have wind.
1: Oh, we do have wind. We do have wind.
2: Okay. We also have uh, we have bluegrass here too, so it's not. Do you? you? We do.
1: Uh, When I lived in uh, Indiana, when I went to law school, it was so fucking windy because it was so flat, like in the winter, and I hated it. You have no hills. Um, The
2: cities kind of create wind wind corridors. Uh, Yeah, in Indiana or in Indianapolis, really, you also have big open spaces. So you, you, there's places where you don't get any cover from the wind either.
1: Yeah. Like i just remember, uh, walking from, uh, the parking lot at the law school into the school was like the most miserable experience when it was really cold. Cause it was so flat, completely open. Yeah. It would just, it would destroy me. That's it. That's our, That's the wind talk for this episode. Uh, we're also joined
0: by Mike. What's up, Mike? Hey y'all. It's your old pal. Iron Am experience. I back?
1: You
2: you've all disappeared from me. I think I'm here. So okay, now you're talking to Mike.
0: Yeah, yeah, you're 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 good. You're good. Um, uh, y- you know we do get wind up here, or rather down here, but it is up here in parlance of the mountains. But uh, not like that. Uh, Indiana is a wild state. Like just straight up, it it it's one of those things that I have ties to Indiana, which of course doesn't surprise you, Aaron. As you think I'm from ev- everywhere, but. It, it, it's something that, like, the fact that Indiana is this windy state and Indianapolis is, like, I, I, I feel like that whenever, whenever, like, there are foreign movies or foreign media that, like, depicts a United States city that's not, like, a distinctive one, they automatically go towards Indianapolis. Like, have y'all ever experienced that yourselves? That, that like, it feels like Indianapolis is kind of like carte blanche, like the U.S. city. It's either that or Pittsburgh. Uh, I don't know if I can think of a movie where Indianapolis
1: uh, features heavily.
0: It just kind of seems that way. Like if if, if they right. don't, then they should. You know, I'm
1: willing to go with it. I'm just trying to. I'm trying to think of something.
0: Yeah, yeah. Remember when like the Dark Knight they used Pittsburgh for Gotham? Like I always thought that was kind of a weird choice. Sure. That that's just where my brain's at no. right now.
2: Dark Knight Rises. Dark Knight Rises was Pittsburgh.
1: Dark Knight was Chicago. That's right. They do the whole. Wacker Drive thing.
0: Oh, okay. Yes. That worked.
2: I saw them filming the, the scene with the flipped semi. They flipped the semi and endways over long ways. Sure. Yeah. It was a Lollapalooza weekend. Oh, was it? Probably probably, uh, probably, the Lollapalooza where Daft Punk
1: played, I think. Very busy weekend to be just filming flipped semi very, trucks. Very busy weekend.
2: I saw um, fucking werner herzog's rescue dawn
0: okay
1: i really speaking of lollapalooza i really want to go to a music festival in september what do you guys think is the possibility that i'm going to be able to do that
0: uh feel pretty good about september yeah seemingly more likely by the day yeah it's outside so i feel okay about that right yeah uh you brought up daft punk uh did y'all ever have like the liar kids in school like have we talked about liar kids Like the kids who just make up shit and it's just patently false because there was someone in my high school who claimed that Daft Punk was their parents and gave them up for adoption. (laughs) That's that's
2: too big of a lie. That's just, you're not even, not even approaching believability. If it had been, you know, Daft Punk is playing at my house, maybe could have some more success.
0: LCD sounds system, yeah. Like you might be able to get away with it, but like the idea of the logistics of someone being put up. Does
2: this a... mean Daft Punk were in a relationship together?
0: I just remember that that this person thought that, or was claiming that Daft Punk was their parents and they gave up for high school. I didn't ask which one it was. Like, hmm. I, I,
2: well, I'm. Uh, you know, next time I'm gonna have you to be ask you to be a little more. Uh, uh you know pressing and try to get down to these
0: details. Yeah, sure. where
1: where were your journalistic instincts,
0: Mike? Well, I was 15 and this was chemistry class and th- this might surprise <laughs> y'all, but sciences, you know, I'm good with physics, but everything else of the sciences, the physical sciences, I am absolute trash at. I was I was trying not to get set on fire, basically.
2: Yeah, I was not good at the physical sciences. Um chemistry might have been my lowest grade in high school and our uh, teacher had a gimmick where if you fell asleep or we're not paying attention. And I did tend to fall asleep in class. He would go into the lab room and come out with a vial of ammonia and go and put it under your face. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's pretty funny. I thought it happened sure. to be a few times. Sure. Yeah. Seems aggressive.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I did have teachers that would throw erasers at me like and chocolate, like the kids fell asleep. So like, that makes sense.
2: I had uh, my not physics, but another science, another science teacher for sure. Uh, didn't throw an eraser at me, but did like slam his his yardstick. You know, every classroom had a fucking yardstick for some reason. Slammed that on my on my desk uh, and, and broke it in half and caused it to like go flying across the room <laughs> and then immediately like was extremely regretful and like, oh, God. oh I'm so, so sorry. I'm so sorry. I really um, so I like couldn't even be mad about it. Um, the other the the probably less less funny thing. I mean, it's kind of funny in like a gallows humor way, but you know, uh, exposing was terrible thing. My chemistry teacher did is, uh, we were taking a test during the shock and awe invasion of Iraq. Uh, and he turned on the news coverage of the shock and awe campaign. Uh, and as all the bombs and things were exploding, he was going, Ooh, ah, (laughs) like they were fireworks. (laughs) This was during a test.
1: (laughs) Amazing uh i remember watching the you know the colin powell like united nations thing uh you know trying to sell the the iraq War. i remember watching that and my I, I mean no one's gonna be shocked that my teachers were like largely very conservative and uh but you know i was no one would also be shocked by this i was like the politics kid in high school so the right. teacher's like oh what did you think about that And i was like uh kind of seemed like bullshit And he's like yeah i thought <laughs> so too and so i just assumed everybody was gonna think it was bullshit, you know, because like if this, if my high school teacher who literally gets his haircut on the way before school every morning, if he thinks this is bullshit, then I think everybody's going to. But they they didn't apparently.
0: I I, I kind of respect that somehow we have. I, and Nate, I'm going I'm willing to make a proclamation here that all three of us had very intense feelings about the Iraq war in high school that we were proven eventually right. Some of us, you know, it was with a teacher who probably went in and got the Roger Stahl back every week. Yes, I, I did make a King Hill reference there. Or, <laughs> or or you could have the disgraced congressman call you an anarchist in front of your entire high school because you are against both that and the Patriot Act.
1: Yeah, I was definitely uh, the weird—I uh, had the—, the... Converse's and I had I had like in markers I had written you know like you have your Converse's and they're like white on the like right over your toes and I wrote anti-war on the on the Converse's. Thought that was pretty cool.
2: Yeah, we would not have been friends in high school. Um <laughs> I think in in retrospect I was not cool enough to have been your friend, but at the time I was like I'm way too cool for that kid. Sure. Yeah, I was the definitely the
1: I have uh, opinions and I have thoughts and uh, i'm gonna share them with you for sure <laughs> i regret all of that very much okay well <laughs> if you if you want to know more about uh our lives in high school you can follow us on twitter at everything aew i'm at aaron like the car uh nate is at Epitasis. mike is at Fujiheya uh, i gotta do different patter on my two podcasts because i i was about to give taylor mainberg's twitter account there which would not free. Hey, do it He's at Team uh, it's, it's a good account so uh, yeah, uh,
0: follow that. Case is at underscore in your case. Uh, Nate, do you want to do you have anyone, any other podcasts uh, co hosts that no. you want to plug while we're at it?
2: Andrew Rich is at Andrew T Rich. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I shouted about on Twitter. So. Big
1: oh, shout okay. out to ATR on the on the Twitter account tonight.
0: Big shoddy ATR. <laughs>
1: uh subscribe to the podcast you can just search up everything elite on whatever podcast app you use make sure you get these as soon as they come out now it's late on wednesday nights uh no that's not true that's only this version comes out late on wednesday nights uh on thursdays they come out give us a five-star rating and a review if you use the apple podcast app and if you want to support the show the very best way to do so is to head over to patreon.com slash everything elite uh, and subscribe. Okay, we will uh, start the substantive part of our show. It's all substantive, but we'll start this part of our show, uh, as we always do. Nate, I'm going to go to you as we play Elite. or delete. what was your favorite thing for tonight's show?
2: I really um, really had the plan to decide why Elite was going to be during the opening pattern, but then started talking about high school. Yeah. Uh, I guess I'm going to go with, I, I thought they did a really as good a job as you can do. Uh, effort at making the explosion that wasn't on the pay-per-view work in their favor they used it to pretty strong effect uh, in the Kenny Omega segment and uh, importantly they used it to establish Kenny and Don as the heels in that situation um, and and rather than you know getting it twisted and, and making the company the heels uh, which was wise they and then, of course, the, the John Moxley Eddie Kingston promo at almost the top of the show uh, was pretty great. Did, uh, good, good, um, I don't know, camaraderie there with the two of them. Just a good vibe to that pairing. Eddie, of course, best on interviews 2020, on track for best on interviews 2021. Uh, said that Kenny Omega is the Joker uh, and John Moxley is the Batman. Uh, he has a Joker chain feel like that's worth mentioning again. Uh, yeah, you know, it was, it was a, a dud of an ending to a great match on a pretty good pay-per-view. Uh, and that was unfortunate, but I think they came out here with the best effort they could have made to, to correct it. I didn't see the impact promo with Tony Khan where I, I, did he, did he own it? Did he take an L? Did anybody see it?
0: He didn't really take an L on it. Like, it wasn't one of his strongest promos from what I remember, but it was one of the ones where it just kind of was like, yeah, you know, like, the fireworks must have been Impact's fireworks, you know? Which, you know, kind of, you know, kind of, like, tied together at least that portion of it. I guess, like, I, I think that they did a really successful job with this. I felt like that... They were put into an unfortunate situation. It has come out later that we now know that it was because they had a third party services do the rigging for this. And the third party was like, well, we did the job. We're not taking ownership of this. And it's something where I felt like that the two sides of the angle both have done enough, I feel like, to rehab it in a way that I felt like was. Uh, completely I don't want to say like I don't want to say like it rehabilitated it, but it did make Eddie and uh John Moxley look fine in this and of course Eddie has the ability now to like if you he's cut a promo on a cookie on uh Sour Patch Kits. Of course he can cut a promo and make this make sense. So it was able to do that. But then also the idea of uh Mox or sorry, uh Kenny, Omega and Don Callis basically stating were we able to, we were able to pull one over on both of you because hey, it was a win win for us. I have an MBA. I understand what that means. I feel like that that was really kind of. Uh, I, I feel like that was really kind of a smart way. It's like we won because we made you into looking like assholes, and that w- with Kenny's and Crazy Fit and Kenny's promo. I mean, he's really tapping into that Danny McBride energy that I love in a heel. So I, yeah, I I feel like that they did as well as one could hope for in rehabilitating. An angle that you know kind of became a mockery on Sunday night.
1: This isn't uh, terribly novel, but it's like one of AW's main main strengths is being able to acknowledge when something is bad and trying to figure out a way to pivot from it to make it good instead of uh, digging their heels in and saying, "No, actually, the idea we came up with was good, and if anybody's mad about it, it's their fault." Now they did apparently drop to. Uh, Sean Ross Sapp served tall that it was a third party's problem and not theirs, you know, to make sure nobody knew they fucked it up. Uh, but I just kudos to them for not only figuring out a way to pivot, but doing it in an entertaining way and figuring out how they were going to go from there into clearly what was their next planned story, uh, but without like being like, oh no, we have to keep it within these parameters. Like, no, we can kind of mix it up a little, change what we were going to do, and it still worked. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, basically, I just agree. It was excellent.
2: Thank you for agreeing. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah, the uh, the the Eddie promo up top was, I think, especially uh, remarkable because, like Mike said, we know he can promo on whatever the fuck. But here was him promoing on something we all know to be ridiculous because we were all there and we saw it. And he still comes cr- across as very real and very genuine. So it's like, oh, it's not just that Eddie, like, you know, uh, uh, genuinely – uh, you know, had a hard knock life or whatever. And that's why he's able to cut these, uh, amazing promos about, you know, getting in street fights or whatever. Like he's also just like a great performer. Like he's a great actor. <laughs> uh, and that, that I think came through in that thing.
1: But also willing to like, okay. He does this whole thing in the first promo about how, well, this really reminded me of, This other time I was terribly anxious. And so it caused me to like have a moment, uh, which is, which is fine. But then Kenny makes fun of that in his promo in a way that was, I mean, like, it's easy for me to imagine that that was Eddie's idea, you know, of like, okay, well now you should like turn it back on me, but in a way that really helps Kenny out, makes Kenny look like more of a heel uh, and adds, you know, ratchets up the, the heat and the segment
2: yeah that maybe was the the best little detail um that eddie you know presented himself as like vulnerable and like sympathetic is is this baby face in this moment and says you know what that's just the truth you can laugh at me whatever and then what does the heel do comes out and, and says yeah i'm gonna fucking laugh at you man
1: yeah it was great it's like fucking pro wrestling man rules uh yeah you make a great point about eddie just being an excellent performer in just like every way it's um, kind of sad now to think about like all the years we missed of Eddie being able to be like a high level perform performer on a, a major stage, but of course he would have been uh, not used well or or at all. Jerking yeah. yeah. off with, in a boiler room. He would have been jerking <laughs> off in the boiler room for sure.
0: It, it, it's also something with him that like he had like half hearted attempts at bigger stages. Like before TNA and that kid should have been in the street, which we know that was one of the few great things that Impact has done over the last ever. But, you know, uh, Outlaw Inc. and Ring of Honor just was dead on an arrival. Chakara, like, he was not – like, he was a part of Chakara, and he was the best promo in Chakara, but he was never really, like, the emphasis other than winning the title after Larry Sweeney passed away. So, like, this – it's a shame that, like, he lost all those years, but I feel like, in a way, you – and, and, I, and I don't want to say this in a way that I'm like diminishing his struggle. The struggle like makes him now so much more authentic and so much more believable. So having him and Moxley sit in front on a patio in front of a mini uh, fire pit drinking whiskey and just kind of yucking it up like knuckleheads from the old times. It just kind of, it feels very, it feels very, very authentic. And it's something that I don't think could have happened if he was just getting the spotlight there for better and for worse.
1: Yeah, and in a sick uh, DMX hoodie that Patrick Cosmos and I tried to track down. But it's sad to say, it's all sold out everywhere, folks. So you can't pick it up. Uh, Mike,
0: your elite pick for this week's episode. So I'm going off the board here. Uh, this was a fever dream of an episode. Like straight up, this was probably one of the more bizarre episodes of Dynamite that they've had to date outside of the Rick and Morty part where they had... Uh, they pickle wrecked the audience and they had jr say the the phrase but just like the weird production issues that i usually rail against kind of made a match just seemed like completely bizarre and that led right into maki ito like refusing to stop singing her entrance name and everything pretty much from like the start to the end like has like this weird or like at least for me it has like this weird like magical realism to it in this episode i know i used to talk about that a whole lot but this really had some magical realism energy going through it. And, you know, all in all, it was something that, like, when we were talking about the show, uh, Aaron, this morning, we were like, we don't really know a whole lot of what's going on here. They only had four matches posted. And it was going to require some heavy lifting on some of those matches. And most of the matches were mostly fine. Like, the main event was, I think, the strongest match on the show. And I think that that's something that is not a controversial opinion. But a lot of the other stuff they had going on in this show, like Lance Archer came out just to interrupt Sting saying, Hey, I want to do something and left and then Sting left. Like that's just like a insane thing to happen on TV. And I thoroughly enjoyed it. Like this was, a, I had a great time.
2: Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll, the one I think standout thing that set this uh, episode apart in terms of weirdness or whatever is probably the tremendous Maki Ito spot where she comes out for her match they're playing her music but you know the match gets underway while she's on the stage they cut her music she continues to sing her song and may i add is fucking locked in on the pitch uh which is no no easy feat in general singing live um may you know maybe she had an ear monitor so she could still hear a, a, a guide track or something but was fucking locked in singing acapella uh for a bunch of wrestling fans on national television uh and that was tremendous just did a great job of establishing her character and and who she is and what's important to her, uh, despite, you know, the language barrier and not, you know, being able to cut uh, fluent promos in English and shit. Uh, and, you know, it's not like the women get a ton of time to cut promos anyway. Uh, but that was just they, they really distilled that into just a great introductory sequence for people that, you know, are not familiar with her, which is, you know, you presume ninety for 96 98% of the audience on television. <laughs> yeah.
1: I would love to know whose idea that was because whoever it was and maybe it was Maki's, but whoever's idea it was like as you said totally understands her character and it was like a brilliant way to uh to introduce her.
2: I was trying to think if I had if i had seen them do that previously like if that was a spot she'd done in a Tokyo Joshi Pro show uh and it didn't didn't ring a bell. Of course, um you know, she would she would do the spot where she'd come out and and do her song and then yell at individual audience members when they weren't cheering loud enough or whatever. I'd like to see her do that again. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, that seemed fresh to
1: me. Yeah, it was great. Okay, my elite pick, I was probably going to talk about Makito, but now I've already done it. I'm going to shout out uh, this little story they set up between uh, Pentagon and Cody. I thought this was very cool. Uh, you know, whatever. Cody does his little squash that lets him do a promo after that's that's Cody stuff. Uh, but then I just did not expect Pentagon of all people to, to show up uh, to, you know, get involved with Cody. And then he did this cool thing where he did like part of the promo in Spanish and then he took over in English. And that was cool. And then just like a classic pro wrestling face versus heel thing of like saying something about the guy's kid. And uh, Cody like believably got fired up about it and they brawled. I think it's a little weird that they're setting this up just for a match next week. It feels like it could be a bigger match uh, to me. You could build it a little longer, Uh, but it was definitely a cool story. And it's something that got me hyped up and I wasn't expecting. So elite.
2: Yeah, I would hope this is part of a larger Pentagon singles push. And it seems like that's their intent because they put them in that ladder match as a single um and and specifically and called attention to that so that's great um yes i mean there were a lot of angles on the show part of the some of the excitement for the show was hey it's the television episode after a pay-per-view we're gonna shuffle the deck a little bit a lot's gonna happen we're gonna get some new matchups and some new stables or whatever and that's like you know there's a base level excitement for that a bunch of the angles on this didn't like hit me like, oh, I really want to see that. Like, oh, that, you know, that, those two guys against each other. Hell yeah. I'm so glad they're going with Archer versus Sting or whatever. Like, you know, that, that's cool. Uh, but Pentagon and Cody was like, okay, here's something we can sink our teeth into. We know Cody's important. It is going to stay important it's going to be featured. Uh, and I'm very glad to see Pentagon opposite him and getting a chance to like promo and shit opposite him. Um, I do, they have to find, the perfect pattern for how they're going to do these Spanish language promos for Pentagon and Phoenix. I think those guys can, they're great promos in Spanish. Pentagon is great promo in Spanish and you don't fucking need to know what he says. Um, maybe you want to translate a little bit of it, but you don't want to be going back and forth with the translator or whatever. I think that's awkward. Just let him fucking say his shit and be extremely cool. Uh, and then, you know, give it to Albert to, to hit the important points or something. Um, and yeah, Phoenix, the same way, like he can promo, and when he promos in English, like it, it just comes across as is more authentic and heartfelt. I think uh, the the the, the non fluency or not being a native speaker kind of works to his advantage that way. Um, but yeah, this was this was one angle feud story where I'm like, okay, here we go, let's fucking go.
0: And it's something that I think when the company has done uh, personality packages, has done talking head stuff with. People who are not fluent in English, they would do subtitles and they let them speak in their native language, and it comes across a lot more authentic. So, I like the idea of having Alex Aperhantis there and being able to like summarize things, but there's probably a way that they could do it in a way that's a little bit more into the flow, I guess. Like, it's a great concept, and the angle rocked. Like, the idea that pentagon was on commentary uh, on spanish commentary and just stands up wearing this crazy suit looking sick as hell pulling abrahantus with them it's like you translate for me was a really rad thing and it's something that i think allows people to keep like what it what makes them special in a way so and it's something that like their vibe comes across and it's something that i would hope that that they had michael nakazawa do some of that for the japanese speakers previously and it's something that i'd like to see them continue doing i i think it does provide a certain flavor and a certain authenticity that you don't often get in major american wrestling and storyline wise i just keep on looking at this as hey pentagon's going to break his arm in kayfabe and there we go he's going to go on paternity leave but the way they executed it and just did a quick build to next week i mean i felt like that 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 was like one of the quick builds that they knocked it out of the park here. Like it's something that it's not a match that necessarily I'm going to be like throwing snowflakes on or remember in six months, but it's, but it's a nice little program that they instantly heated it up and they provided enough interest for people to seek their teeth into.
2: It, it also feels like Cody working with somebody outside of like his guys. You know what I mean? Like Cody in, in his promotion has been largely programmed opposite you know guys that kind of feel like the cody mold or vision of wrestling or whatever whereas pentagon is like no i'm fucking pentagon i'm the crazy motherfucker luchador um he, you know it If cody and like brody is like oh yeah you know the xwwe guys um cody and pentagon is like just more exciting because it, it it feels like cody's out of his comfort zone
1: a little bit yeah, even though they work for the same company, when I like it started to come together, I was like, oh, this feels, this is very interesting. I would not have predicted this.
2: Yeah, right. Like, your guy, kind of, Cody, kind of feels like he's in his own zone a lot of the time.
1: Yeah, even like Cody and Darby kind of had that feeling at first of like, oh, you know, you just kind of wouldn't see it. But I guess Cody's like, was like a Darby fan. So I guess that made sense. This does feel the first time that it's like, Oh, Cody's, and maybe he is, but it's like, oh, Cody's not picking his opponent. It's just like they've decided this is the the next place to go. So yeah, it's cool. Listener, elite uh, picked this one because you know we just passed International Women's Day. Chelsea says, "Elite positive male friendships like the Dark Order and Adam Page or Eddie and Moxley, just a real uh, dudes rock episode." And Chelsea picked up on it, so I decided to uh, go with it.
2: I have dudes rock muted on Twitter. I had enough. I had enough of dudes rocking.
1: You can't mute me. Oh, no, um, you,
2: you, you can go in and do it to apply to everyone and not only people outside your following.
1: No, I'm saying you can't mute me on this oh. podcast.
2: Um, I can turn off my headphones. That's almost the same. <laughs> and then I'll just, I'll just talk and you guys <laughs> can make visual cues at me and I'll be like, nope, can't hear you.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, let's turn into uh, the things we didn't like. From the podcast. So, I'm from the podcast, fuck. I don't want to hear what you didn't like from the podcast. Nobody tell me. I don't care. Uh, Nate, what did you not like from this episode of wrestling television? Um, did,
2: either, did either of you lay claim to Ethan Page already?
1: No, he didn't even make the list.
2: Okay. Uh, I mean, Ethan Page was fine. The, you know, he got a little inset promo. That's fine. The match was like... Kind of made me confused as to where he is in the pecking order because it was a pretty long match with a guy who's been a job guy up until this, to this point. Um, I'll, I'll leave aside the production issues because on fight I had none. My audio was fine throughout the whole thing, so there was nothing there. Um, but, you know, he, he attacks Lee Johnson after the match to, like, establish that he's a heel, I guess, and to give QT Marshall this opportunity to not make the save. Uh, and, you know there was just nothing to the attack whatsoever. It's just doing like little wrestling school stomps to the guy while he's down. Uh, it, 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 it didn't do anything for me. And it was the same thing that Scorpio sky did later. Um, and you know, they, they have these ideas and they just like load them up a bunch on the same show. Same thing with Lance Archer interrupting sting and then Kenny Omega interrupting Christian. It's like, that's you. It's literally the same exact same setup, uh and tony Shavani called attention to it um i don't know just give those some more breathing room and then like i've said they're all more effective when there's just a little bit of breathing room between them uh but yeah you know my my complaint on these shows is almost always going to be that the wrestling matches are too long and ethan page versus lee johnson was too long for where i assume they want ethan page to be uh and then you know just a, just of all the angles on this show Ethan Page laying the boots to him, uh, and and Q T Marshall walking off was, uh, I guess, the flattest.
0: It, it it's something that I'm gonna have to take your word for it, Nate, because YouTube TV had the really sick audio thing, which like like just added to the uh, the magical realism of the show to me whatsoever. So like I was trying to watch the match as I was hearing "Defense chants and then "Ain't No Mountain High Enough," and I was like, "This is." I, I, I Honestly, that might have been the Ethan Page match I've most enjoyed in my life. Just because, like, I was just, I was vibing, I was vibing with this, like, like, like they you have said. More... You
2: said "ain't no mountain high enough" on the account on Twitter. I'm like, what the fuck is he talking about? Ain't no mountain high enough. Where does that come from? So that there was that. Uh, okay, there, was was all, that makes sense.
0: there was that. There was all the lights. It was just tremendous oh, time.
2: We got we got the original all of the lights.
0: Yes, we did. Yes, we oh, did.
1: I, I, I presaged it the DM today. <laughs> you did. I badly want to know, like. Does AEW have to pay for the rights for these uh, songs that came on during this? And, like, who is going to write that check? I'm
2: sure TNT. (laughs) Yeah. It was definitely TNT satellite or whatever. Yeah, Yeah, no.
0: It definitely was something where, like, the streams crossed. And, like, literally the streams crossed. And it was wild. But, yeah, Ethan Page and this company, it's something that, like, we had a while to prepare ourselves for. But... I don't know. <laughs> like, I mean, like, that's the thing. Like, I, I was more bo- I was more like, okay, Lee Johnson actually m- was made out to look less of a scrub in this than I anticipated. Like, I thought this would be like a one of, I thought he would be getting Seth Gargus, to be quite honest. So it just kind of was there. And then it's like, okay are you going to be allied with a QT Marshall and QT Marshall's going to play his <laughs> own version of Josh Alexander here? I don't know, but, I, I, but you're here now, Ethan Page. And now I have to deal with you on a weekly basis.
2: I, I do like the idea of QT Marshall as like the evil nightmare family with Mr. Freak beast. Cause <laughs> Mr. Freak beast, like just being in his like uh, psych ward coat, uh, but just like being otherwise normal behind QT Marshall <laughs> is very funny to me. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I should be like, oh, that's cool. They gave Lee Johnson a bunch of offense or whatever. But it's also like they want to. They do a lot of long wrestling matches because their belief is that you know people want to see wrestling, and that's when people tune away when the camera is not on the ring showing a wrestling match. But with brand new Ethan Page and established job guy uh, Lee Johnson, are you keeping those eyeballs? I don't know. That, that that's that's a lot to ask. It's a little bit like the. Preston Vance uh, and Max Caster match the other week, where it's like I like both these guys. I think both these guys are going to be going places, and it's really good to see AEW like not shy away from giving them them spots and time, but maybe too big a spot and too much time.
1: I think I've decided just not to talk about Ethan Page until he just really pisses me off. I, I think it's it's gonna. Mute the impact of that. If I just every week I'm like, "Fuck, I hate Ethan Page," so <laughs> I'm just gonna hold it off. Um, all right, I'm just gonna go on to Mike
0: then. Mike, your least favorite thing from this week's episode. So long matches, guys. Let's talk yeah, about the God. the completely competent, but we were living in the worst timeline of having Phoenix versus uh, Matt Jackson. When you have these four wrestlers like, engaging in a feud. Fenix versus Matt Jackson is probably, like, the match. I'm like, you know, maybe, maybe that's going to be fun. Like, I don't expect it to be bad, but maybe be fun. But you could have had another Fenix versus Nick Jackson match. Nick Jackson versus Pac. Pac versus Matt Jackson, which they probably could have worked at, at, like, a rate that I think could have been interesting. But instead, we had 15 minutes with Matt Jackson. Uh, allegedly, according to the Chiron, his first singles match in over 1,600 days. So, probably his first singles match since the uh, best of the Super Juniors I don't care when it was don't at me but it just kind of like it was there it was fine Phoenix did cool stuff with it but then like Matt Jackson doing backselling and it's just like oh okay. I know why Nick Jackson's the one that always has the singles matches. And I know which one I think it, And it's kind of weird to say this because I do think the Young Bucks are one of the best act teams of all time. It's like, oh, I think I've now really figured out who's the better Jackson brother at the end of this because a 15 minute Matt Jackson match was just, you know, uh, talking about wanting to do long matches to entice viewers, like leading off the show there. That's a bold move there. We'll see how that pays off tomorrow.
2: I thought it was good. I thought it was pretty good. My my main thought on it was, oh, you know, I think we probably underrate Matt Jackson as a wrestler, in addition to underrating him as a promo guy. Um, certainly, Nick Jackson is, like, the better flyer, exciting, kinetic, you know, cool kicks and, uh, and flips and shit guy. Uh, but I, I, you know, have always expected or suspected that Matt Jackson is the smarter and funnier Jackson. Uh, so I kind of think... I would credit him for, like, the Young Bucks match flow and psychology always being so strong. Um, But, yeah, you know, would I have complained if it was three minutes, four minutes shorter? No. Probably would have been more effective. Uh, But I thought it was pretty good.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't see all the the Mookie metrics that the people in AEW do. But to me, it just seems like an eight-minute match where they just go balls to the wall and do, like, a bunch of crazy shit is like more exciting to watch and is going to make me more likely to stick around to see what else they have to do. Like, I know it's, it's really hard for any of us to try to think about like, okay, what would this be like if I were not someone who watched wrestling like way too much uh, in my life and talked about this constantly? Uh, so it, it is hard to say, but I'm like, you know zoning out of this match uh pretty quickly so i don't know i just kind of assume that's true for others but i could be wrong yeah i wouldn't have done this for sure hey phoenix won yeah that was good
2: they uh they hear, heard my complaints that they were beating phoenix too much and i've given them two wins now right
1: oh oh wait nate speaking of things they did uh multiple times on this show. Phoenix and Thunder Rosa used the same finish. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> on this show.
2: So I also thought they were going to redo the the spot where uh, 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 Lee Johnson got hurt, and then Ethan Page just attacked him viciously because he's a heel anyway. They basically ran that back in the Derby match again. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. And I was like, hmm, yeah, you thought of that idea, and now you're just going
1: <laughs> to use it everywhere. Very cool. Uh, okay, my pick. I mean, I'm just going to. Do the easy one uh the five horsemen it sucks it's bad um this was like this whole angle was bad in that I think they think the Jericho Sammy unit was were baby faces in this yes. in this angle, but they did like nothing to actually establish them as baby faces, and you could tell this by the fact that the crowd just could not re- they had no interest? Did not react because they were like, "Well, who the fuck am I supposed to cheer for?" Very strange. Well, I, I think it's
2: pretty clear that Sammy is a babyface and has been been a babyface since he's been programmed opposite MJF. Um,
1: yeah, but he can't babyface Jericho just boom like that.
2: Well, no, but Jericho, you know, is a big star and people want to like him anyway. So you pat him opposite a bigger heel, and he's basically. A de facto face. I mean, when they did MJF versus Jericho the first time around, Jericho was the face there. So uh, I'm surprised that you didn't like this that much because I think you liked the episode, and this was like the main event and big thing on the episode kind of.
1: I liked the episode a lot. I thought it was, A, they turned around the explosion thing. B, they've got, you know, whatever, 11 weeks to a new pay-per-view, and they immediately set in motion some new angles uh, some new stuff that we can get excited about. Um, and see, they set up a really cool um, women's angle that's going to, you know, they keep building on that women's angle that's going to be in the the main event uh, on next week's show that doesn't have anything to do with the title. So I feel like they did a lot of cool stuff here. But this was definitely the low <laughs> part of the episode for me because it's just like, all right, I like, I'm glad that something's finally happened with Inner Circle. That's good. Uh but the only way you could make FTR Spears and Tully less interesting to me is to add MJF to it. It's like uh who gives a fuck?
2: Well, so that's that's my defense. If so I'm playing devil's advocate of this, um, first of all, they 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 took the angle in a direction that I was not expecting, but still kind of makes sense, which is a nice thing in wrestling, right? Like they did a did a lights out and lights back on surprise that was like, Oh, I wasn't expecting that. I'm genuinely surprised, but it's not just a swerve to swerve me. It's like, okay, sure. You know, that computes that MJF would be scheming with this other thing behind the scenes. Uh, but I think the real advantage and bright spot of this is it puts all the people we don't like in one unit. So it, the That's fair. Condense, it's going to condense all of their ring time and angles and stuff into one segment on the show. So the FDR segment is the same as the Sean Spears segment. the same as the MJF promo. Uh, it, it just, condenses it all in a satisfying way now I, am i going to call that like actually good I, i'm i'm skeptical you know i, <laughs> yeah. I do think mjf's been better in this in this jericho angle but it, to make this really work for me and it seems like maybe they had the right idea by jr's commentary if this is just a vehicle to get Wardlow over as the top guy of this in this stable and everyone else is just Wardlow's little sidekicks then i'm fine with it that's good to me yeah.
1: Well, see, I was going to say that the thing that irritates me about it the most, and, you know, maybe this will turn out to be a good thing in the end, is like, I don't think it's just us. I think you can feel the crowd wanting to cheer for Wardlow, like wanting to see Wardlow turn on MJF. Oh, yeah. He's Batista. He's he's Dave Batista. Yeah, we're we're all dying for that, and I'm like, fuck, this looks like you know six more months of, and I know I'm the guy who comes on here and is like, can't you drag this out a little longer? Sure. And now I'm like, give
0: it to me now. Yeah. It, it it's something that like there was a moment where the crowd was behind inner circle's faces, and that was before the reveal when they all had. MJF in the corner and the crowd started to chant, beat him up. And 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 like they had the opportunity there to kind of like do that, but like you would probably have needed them to start attacking him and then do the lights out to cement that. So you can get any sort of reaction, but then you still have some. Then you have like the Wardlow problem. And hey, who was the first person aboard the Wardlow train? It was my, your old pal Mike Spears here. I love the Wardlow, always have, always will. And you can come out as a star here, but it, does kind of I think
2: we got to check the tapes. I, was was Mike out ahead of e- anyone else on this, Aaron?
1: Um, I don't know. I know he did get on the Wardlow Day thing pretty early, but okay, I can't but say I, whether I, it was I, I did Coin Wardlow Day. So he oh, okay. could get well, on it earlier than fair. I did. <laughs> that's fair. I didn't remember that. that not. That
2: was a that was a Twitter poll I put up and said, "Is today Wardlow Day?" Because okay. we were waiting waiting to see if Wardlow is ever going to show up, and sure enough, that was <laughs> Wardlow Day. <laughs> I'm willing um, to
0: believe that. Anyways, but as I was saying, like, there, there was, like, like moments that, like, this could have felt effective in some fashion, and it could have done this. Now, is it something that fans that aren't necessarily as dialed in are going to be more adapted to, like, okay, yeah, no, Jericho's a face now, or yeah, no, this all makes sense here? Possibly, but you, like, look at, like, this, and now you have the original inner circle versus the outer circle as you were calling it and it's just something that's just like it's just kind of feeling like it's something to either like keep jericho busy in a way that brings down the younger and often more talented wrestlers that are attached to him like samuel guevara felt like that that upon his return could have been like a big deal babyface now right like the way he stormed out and the way that he was cool as hell about impact he could have came back in and could have been like up to the level of like the next be like a next superstar in this company like the machine could have gone burr there and now he's kind of lumped in in this as well Wardlow is just someone that we all know that the crowd and everyone wants to get behind Wardlow because he's a handsome dude who does cool shit, and we don't have the opportunity yet because he's he's lumped in with all this as well. And then, and then like Santana and Ortiz, the most underrated act in the company has been saddled with this now for coming up on two years, like like pretty much I come up on two years, and it's something that's it's hard to be super enthusiastic about it when like you have these people who could be coming out of the inner circle, coming out of like this, the, this like orbit and be elevated a lot higher, but instead they're going to be saddled doing this for like, th- at least I'm going to assume until double or nothing.
2: Yeah. I, I, I don't think you're wrong on Sammy. I I think this does not feel like a big step forward for Sammy in particular. I kind of think it's fine for, Jericho and Hager and and Santana and Ortiz, mostly because I think people have been wanting to cheer the inner circle. Now this was definitely a face turn for the inner circle because they got laid out by a bigger heel group. Um, and I, I think people are going to be eager to be able to be like, yeah, you know, inner circle, Santana Ortiz, Jericho, those guys are cool. I'm happy to cheer them now. I think that's kind of the right trajectory for Heel, successful heel stables, right, is eventually they get so good that everybody just wants to cheer them. Um, so I, I I think it's kind of fine in that regard, uh, except, yeah, I, you know, Sammy is obviously not coming out of this as a next big single star or something. He's he's back in kind of the same spot he was in. But now it's babyface, and I think there's kind of, you know, more that they can do there with, like, Santana Ortiz as babyfaces in the tag division. Like, if they do that, that you know, I don't know that they will. Um, it, yeah, I think the problem if the problem of this is, you know, uh, that the heel unit involved is Sean Spears and FTR and, and tolly Blanchard. They
1: they do still have a chance here to uh, make Jericho and Hager split from Sammy and Santana and Ortiz, and they could be the uh, the major you know face group that comes out of this. And you can do a a Sammy MJF or I'm sorry a Sammy Jericho match. At some point, I'm not sure that that's the direction they're going, but you still could uh, salvage that big Sammy uh, baby face singles kind of run.
2: Yeah, th- I, it feels like they're just going straight inner circle babyface. Yeah, me. I mean, yep. I, if I want to do on Wardlow, if there's another, you know, uh, uh, sliver of hope to hold on to there, they did give him the big spot of doing his finisher to Chris Jericho and everybody calling attention to it. So that did pretty firmly put the focus on him, I think. Like I, I don't know what FDR did in that entire segment. Everybody was looking at Wardlow. So, you know, I, th- I think that's probably the the upside of this is, hey, maybe this is where we move it. Uh, you know, get behind Wardlow as a guy in this stable now.
1: All right, our listener d delete. I kind of cheated here. Uh, our our patron K Y says Don sixty nine me both his or both their elite and delete. <laughs>
2: Yeah, that was, uh, I did laugh.
1: <laughs> I laughed, too.
2: Mostly, it, it was just a good specific to call back to, because the the visual from the pay-per-view was so silly and awkward that, you know, <laughs> call attention to it, acknowledge it, make a joke out of it, uh, right yeah. thing to do. But also gross to look at.
1: Yes. All right, well, let's run down the show.
2: Only uh... because it's Don Callis, not for any other reasons. If it was yes. Kenny and Kota Ibushi, you know, I don't want to.
1: No, yeah, it was just—it was just funny. I mean, it's just nothing else to say about that. Just funny. Uh, opened up the show, of course, with FedEx and Matt Jackson. Although I'm enjoying this uh, longstanding thing of, of Nate thinking he said an unwoke thing and trying to fix it. <laughs> it's yeah, a very what's, enjoyable running bit.
2: What's been my worst one of those recently? Was it talking about Pakistan on the Patreon? <laughs>
1: No, well maybe, but it was the one uh the gender reveal one, yeah. The gender reveal one. That was the best one that I that I enjoyed. All right, well, tune in next week, folks. We'll see. We'll see what Nate fucks up next
2: time. Hey, All right. Uh, no, you had you had a bad one that I think we just edited out of the
1: show, right? I don't know. Don't mention it now. I don't I don't don't remind anyone, but yeah, probably.
2: Oh no, 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 we left it in. It was about the the confederacy winning
1: anyway hey don't bring, come on now. <laughs> oh yeah Just, wow Nate. i see it this was is what i get for making fun of nate hey come for the king he buries my ass <laughs> <laughs> all right phoenix versus matt jackson was the opener phoenix won with the fire thunder driver uh and then we had eddie with mox i think we've pretty well covered uh those parts uh, Cody versus Seth Gargas. Cody won with the figure four. Now, uh, then- who is his trainer, by the way, Aaron? That would be Gangrel. Sure. Yeah, David Heath. Nice.
0: Nightmare I was Warrior. Trying to-
2: Jim Ross again was like, David Heath, that's his real name, which he did, <laughs> which he did previously. He's like, AKA David Heath. And I was trying to figure out why the fuck he made such a big deal about him. It was like, does he think that White Wolf still has the exclusive rights to Gangrel? And I Game guess. And didn't acquire those rights? Yeah. That's the only sense I could make out
0: of it. It's just funny. It's just funny. The Nightmare Warrior, the Miami Booty Shaker.
1: I have, I have no idea for sure. Uh, yeah, and this led into the, uh, the Pentagon and, and Cody angle. Then we got uh, Chuck Taylor and Orange Cassidy in an arcade. Chuck's standing in front of the NFL Blitz uh, machine. He says uh, that they want one more match. And with Miro and Kip, of course, and if Miro and Kip win, Chuck will be his butler forever. And uh, Orange said he wants to put the games all around the ring, uh, so they'll put your heads through all of them, and Orange said, and then we will break you.
2: So, good idea for gimmick match. Uh, you know, thematically appropriate with how much this feud has been about arcade cabinets, and they put Chuck through a window here, so now they're going to put those guys through, you know, monitors or whatever as revenge. Um... People are going to be upset when they destroy vintage arcade cabinets, probably. But what can you do? Uh, And also good to play to Chuck's strength as a sneaky good deathmatch guy and just keep putting him in these plunder situations. Uh, Aaron, have you ever played a uh, tabletop role-playing game like a White Wolf situation? No, I haven't.
1: Well, that's not true. I had... Ooh. Ooh. Yes. Uh, One summer... I can't remember if I was in college. I must have been in college, not law school. can't remember. But I was home for the summer, and... I just had this like one or two like weird friends that I knew like in high school or whatever. Uh, but, you know, I didn't have shit to do. And they're like, hey, you want to come over and uh, hang out with us? And I was like, fuck, I guess so. And I, <laughs> and I did. And they were playing. And I'm sure we have a lot of listeners and
2: or podcast co-hosts that have played tabletop role playing games.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I feel seen right Be- now. Be-
2: before you affect that voice, would you talk about your weird friends? Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> no, no, guys. Now, keep in mind. I host uh, two wrestling podcasts. I do uh, the Patreon with you guys, where we do a bunch of other podcasts. Uh, so, I mean, I'm a total fucking nerd. There's no doubt about it. But these guys were on another level, <laughs> just another level. And so, anyway, turned out they were playing Dungeons & Dragons. So, I think I did maybe twice play Dungeons & Dragons. Is that a tabletop role play? game? That's exactly
2: that's the, that's the main one.
1: Sorry, I'm, I'm uh, actually, I'm Josh Barnett, and Yeah, I wasn't sure you guys had ever heard of this game. It, it's
0: quite an obscure game, you know. I'm kind of surprised that you would be able to take it all the way back to that. Okay, asked and answered.
1: Okay, a fucking lawyer said that to me in a deposition today, and I was like... Asked and answered? <laughs>
2: yeah. Were you, like, were, you, were you treading established ground?
1: No, the witness wouldn't answer the question. Oh. You know, well, the lawyers love to do this, where it's like you ask a question and their witness like talks around it, but doesn't answer the question. So then you're like, well, OK, but my question was, or at least that's what I do. I just yeah. keep repeating the question until they answer it the yeah. way I want them to. And it's like, uh, objection, asked and answered. Hmm. I just ignore it. I'm like, OK, and I just <laughs> like, OK, sounds good. And then I ask the question again. But... <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> yeah. Um, OK, Sting came out uh with... Tony, of course, for the 500th week in a row, and he puts over Darby. He says, you you have Darby's a dangerous man. You combine that with the stinger and a menacing location like the street. <laughs> and you I get love, I get love the street.
2: street. He's so cool. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, as you all mentioned earlier, Lance Archer and Jake interrupted. Uh, they say they're not getting time. I mean, I feel like Lance Archer's on this show all the time. Yes. Yes. So I mean, that was dumb. And he just said they're going to take more time. Sting said Stinger. No, Tony, weird.
2: Tony said Stinger. Yeah. No, no, oh, oh Jake, Jake said Stinger. Yeah. What did I did I say Jake? What did I, I think I you said for?
0: Tony. Oh, okay. okay. said Tony. Okay. Okay. How's, how's the sequel? How's the sequel? I
1: haven't had any. Ogan called this episode an A-B on sequel episode, the episode
0: <laughs> of Dynamite. <laughs> oh. Right, <laughs> yeah. That, but... It was tremendous. Yeah.
1: It was. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, and Sting said, thanks, Tony. See you in the next one. <laughs> yeah, that, was, that was
2: the best part of the whole segment. Is Tony's like, same time next week, buddy. And just walks off. He's got nothing else. That's why Perfect. Sting's cool. Sting also just has like an old school, like,
0: oh, shit. What's, what's the word? He just has kind of like a, yeah, kind of vibe to him. That works. He's got a
2: finger guns get- vibe as yes. Mike is doing finger guns. Uh, what's, what's the What's the noun form of bombastic? Bombasticity? Mr. He's bombastic. A, he's got a he's got a bombasticity. I don't think it's bombasticness. Bombasticity about him that's like, you know, silly and old school wrestling. But you know, like he's just got the cool energy that makes it work. Uh, I mean, it's, just, and-
1: it's just bombast.
2: Oh, it is just bombast. Fuck. That's the worst one yet. Uh, But it's like him saying voila or whatever. It was like, nobody else is saying voila. That was cool.
1: Bombast. God damn it. (laughs) Uh, uh, Our good friend Dasha is with QT and Lee Johnson. She asked him about, you know, the whole thing at the pay-per-view. QT says he's only human. His emotions got the best of him. He puts over Lee Johnson. And here's when the audio starts uh, to fuck up it was pretty funny so we missed the end of this and then uh ethan page versus lee johnson ethan page won with the ego's edge uh completely dominated at least for mike and me by nba game sounds dun uh, then-
0: dun 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 on topic keep on topic. i'm giving nate the experience Done. and then page of course beat down lee afterward qt
1: didn't intervene Dustin, I was, gonna, I was just going to keep up this bit. They, they had at one point, I don't know who it was, but it was like, I'll just, Mouth somebody sounds. said it was their back versus Spurs. I'm just going to say it was like, Luca for three. That was pretty funny.
2: Okay. Uh, Alex, hey, you're so smart, what's the uh, noun form of unique? Uh,
1: fuck, I don't know. All right. I'm not that smart, to be honest. Asked
2: and answered.
1: <laughs> unique.
2: Hmm. You have two options, I think. Okay. <laughs> you want to tell me what they are? Well, it seems like you were looking them up. So I was. I,
1: I, was, I was. I was typing in unique. Um. Uh... No, I, I nothing's I even mean, I, I think probably the
2: more common one U, is just uniqueness. uniqueness. Is yeah. what
1: Merriam-Webster says. I'm also seen Merriam-Webster uni- defines uni- Un- uniqueness. Uniquity. Uniquity. I was going to say that as a joke. I wasn't sure if that was a real word. I,
2: I feel like that's the more highfalutin one, and the one I prefer.
1: Just reminds me of iniquity, which I think is a cool word. Oh, this guy likes iniquity. Yikes! I do. A den of iniquity, even. <laughs> uh, Alex Marvez is with Hangman, who's on a, a big riding lawnmower. Uh, he asked hey man what he's doing with matt hardy's money matt hardy says these are all the things i could remember whiskey all i think the entire dwight yokum discography on vinyl is what he told us uh this new lawnmower and a bunch of money to jacksonville public education uh john silver asked if he's got more room in the lawnmower hangman invites him on uh, but they have a weight problem they can't fit everybody uh they're heading to get ice cream but alan angels is left behind
2: yeah, classic, uh, you know, employing the BTE bit of Alan Angel's being the butt of the Dark Order jokes. Pretty cute little segment to keep these guys, uh, you know, uh, fun in everybody's minds. Do we think they actually made any sort of donation to, to Jacksonville charities? Because they've made a storyline point of it, and it's pretty awkward to do that and not
1: actually do it. So I thought about this. How, do you, how does one donate to Jacksonville public education? Is that mm. a thing? Uh the book fair, maybe? I mean Uh, most most public schools just like you just hand over like hand over money to your local public school. That just seems weird to me.
2: Well school, you know, schools would do like a bake sale, but of course they're not doing that now. So there must be some need for that kind of fundraising, which is not happening. So maybe there's just a PayPal account somewhere.
1: Maybe. Let's see.
2: Jacksonville Public Schools. Um, um, while you're doing that, in uh, in Japan there was a thing. Uh, Japan has a issue with a lot of like the smaller rural towns like becoming depleted of right populace, and mm-hmm. you know as people congregate to big cities uh, and so on. So a lot of them will have like sort of tourism uh, initiatives or try and do collaborations with like animes to be like, "Hey, come save our town!" Because we're associated with this popular anime,
0: like Detective uh, Conan was one of the ones there you go uh
2: and i saw one that was a town had partnered with some software company and singer to create their own vocaloid which is like their own hatsune miku uh and you could get exclusive vocaloid software and goods by donating to their public education fund and i was like japan is is something else man
1: i i saw uh a liars post that it was miku day was she
2: referring to hatsune miku she was referring to Hatsune Miku. She, she did. Lyris did post about like three other Miku things today. I don't, you, you might have seen.
1: I did see some Miku uh, content.
2: Yeah. Uh, Miku Day is, is March 9 because 3-9 is a pun that means Miku.
1: Oh, yeah, it is. That's correct.
2: There you go. So that's Miku Day. Um, 3-9 also means thank you, right? It means what? Thank you. Like, thank you, but with sank.
1: San, yes. San, yeah. San-Q, yeah, sure. There you go. Those are the I two puns that. for 39. There's a lot of those, a lot of days that are really just based off of puns in Japanese.
2: Buddy, they love puns.
1: <laughs> this is why I, th- I think I love uh, Japan so much. I also just, love puns.
2: Just just a, a deep and rich culture of never-ending puns. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I did find that uh, there is the Jacksonville Public Education Fund. You, they have a donate button right here on this website. Okay. And you can also, part of it, uh, you can just donate to helping rename schools because they are renaming six public schools that honor Confederates. You can give now to help offset the costs.
2: Oh, that's, that's. Uh, I mean, you know, in a better world, they would not need to take funds for right, that. Right, yeah. <laughs> uh, it would just be, you know, funded by the fucking federal the, government the government yeah sure <laughs> <laughs> um but that's kind of i mean tony khan should buy the naming rights to a school what the fuck
1: yeah i mean yeah right? in, in a different world we would have a functioning state for sure uh but as we it did, is
2: we need all elite elementary come oh, on Tony. that'd be
1: great i mean let's just have hangman page <laughs> elementary frankly
2: hey he's a teacher there you go yeah maybe adam page elementary
1: yeah i think so we, we shouldn't uh, rename confederate <laughs> yeah. schools into hangman <laughs> thugging my collar yes i know you are okay um do you think we adequately discussed this whole this whole thing that happened what next? happened well we had tony out to introduce christian cage but instead the sweepers came uh, out no we
2: we we didn't get any any of the christian aspect
1: of this okay no keiko in the sweepers by the way which i was very down on friend and follower of condition. the show yes uh so but instead of Christian we get uh Kenny Omega, Don Callis, The Good Brothers. Uh the big LG uh, Dot Gallows looking incredibly tan. Wow. And He's constipated. A He's a suntan biker man. <laughs> he is uh Also, I'm getting ready to refer to another one of our friends, but uh I th- I think it was Patrick Cosmos who said he looked brazed. <laughs> 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 but I realized that I Or we all like refer to our friends with regularity, and frankly, a lot of people listen to this podcast and probably have no fucking clue who some of these people are.
2: But they don't ask us, so it's fine (laughs) because
1: it it never becomes our problem. (laughs) Right? Never crossed my mind before. Never crossed my mind. I think about these things. Uh, So Callis says, "I guess you're not going to hear from Christian." Uh, He says, "Since Christian is new, he should know that they call the shots around here. Standing here with the king of the death match, Kenny Omega." And then they start doing the the explosion thing, you know, talking about that. Um, and then Kenny starts running down Eddie uh, for his part. So Eddie comes out. Uh, Callis, you know, goes at Eddie talking about how anytime Eddie gets close to something big, he always finds a way to screw it up. Uh, just like he did at Revolution when you laid there and we laughed at you. And so uh, Callis says he likes Eddie, so he's going to give him 10 seconds to leave or he's going to get his ass kicked. And they say, uh, I know you're not real educated, so here's a countdown. And they do the actual countdown from Revolution, which I thought was very funny. Uh, The sirens hitting and everything. Uh, They lay down and do the 69 me doc part. Um, And doc... (laughs) Oh wait! Why did I doctor. write that? Doc? <laughs> doctor, doctor. I was thinking of Doc Gallows, maybe. Uh, I'm sure he said Doc. I'm
2: surprised Doc Gallows didn't pile on. That would have been funny. <laughs> He's just the third guy. Yeah. I gotta catch a kiss. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah. So he says, uh, "You're standing here, looking like a joke with four guys who could kick your ass. What do you hope to accomplish?" Which I thought was an excellent line. Honestly, this is a really good Kenny promo. He says, uh, "So go ahead and do it." You don't have the balls, et cetera, et cetera. Eddie punches him. Good brothers attack. Mox make the save. But then uh, Christian comes out. He and Kenny get in each other's faces. Kenny offers him a hand. Uh, but Christian, uh, it's not clear that he's interested. Omega tries to cheap shot him. Almost eats an unprettier from Christian. The one mood name that I know without having to ask anyone. Really? Yes. And uh, But Don Callis saves him. Christian picks up the title. Everybody, there's a lot of... Uh, moving parts with all these folks.
2: Now, is that, is that because Joshi has adopted the unprettier? That's a thing, right?
0: Yes, somebody well, does do the unprettier. And uh, I can't think of it. Nadoka Tema does it. it, and but she calls it the kill switch. That's true, all true. true. The, the
2: better name, true. it was the kill switch in the first place, right?
0: Yes. The kill, it was well, the
2: Kill Switch Engage reference.
0: It, it was originally the Unpredator year, then became the Kill Switch, but then they went PG and they turned it back to the Unpredator, uh, I go. believe. I, I kill couldn't Switch tell was you. was the better name. One yeah. of the worst finishers of all time. The Tamikaze, because it used to be Tommy Rogers' finisher. The Tamikaze.
2: Looks very silly. Never liked it. Uh, JR was very confused by Christian's music, even though we saw it like four days ago. He really did not know what the hell was happening. Um, somebody had to smart JR up. What do we think about Kenny Omega versus Christian as a dream match?
1: I don't care about Christian at all, so I have no interest in it. Could I mean could Christian be interesting. Is like, he
2: he's like the he's like a contemporary of like Chris. He was, you know, I wouldn't call him a poor man's Chris Jericho during his time. He was like a mm-hmm. slightly rest, less rich man's Chris Jericho. And you know, Chris Jericho and Kenny Omega was a genuine dream match a couple of years ago, the beginning of this promotion, even.
1: Yeah, but Chris Jericho is like an actual legend in wrestling. I mean, Christian is like a guy who had a WWE run to me. Yeah, I mean, you,
2: you know, you look at that video of Soldier Boy naming the genuine wrestlers that he respects, and it's <laughs> no, really. It's like it's The Rock, it's Stone Cold Steve Austin, it's John Cena, um, and then it's the Dudleys because they were the hot tag team when The Rock and Austin were on top. The Hardys because they were the other hot tag team, and the third one of those is Edge and Christian. So, I mean, uh, he's
1: in that conversation. I guess part of this might... Now, I did not... I was not into Edge or Christian when they first showed up in WWF. Just was not interested. I was a brood guy, for sure. Gang girl, obviously. Sure. There's the no
2: other members of the brood.
1: No, but I liked the other part of the brood. I liked your gang girl. I liked your Midian
2: that's, they weren't the brood. That was the ministry. The brood I'm was I'm sorry, Gang- the ministry. Sorry, I was a okay. ministry guy. The brood uh, was Gangrel, Edge, and Christian.
1: That yeah, was the brood. Yeah, that was it. Okay, I don't really remember, but just, I like Gangrel. Let's all remember that. That's the important part. <laughs> so, but then I took this, like, pretty long break from wrestling starting in, like, I don't know, o three o four somewhere in there. So, I'm, I'm saying I've missed a lot of Christian's run. That's okay. what I'm also saying.
0: I, I think that Christian is good. I think that he's had great matches. He's been a part of matches that were at least instrumental in my becoming a deeper wrestling fan as a young person. But him and Omega, it's interesting. I wonder what kind of match it's going to be. But I can't really say, like, this is something that I'm putting on my calendar and underlining for Double or Nothing or whatever their next big TV show is after the St. Patrick's Day Slam, Smash, uh, what do they call it? Slam, I was right. I think, right, slam. The first time. I think slam. Yeah.
2: Yeah, it just the way they presented it kind of made it feel like, oh, we think this is kind of a big deal match. Um, I can't really say they're wrong because like I said, Christian is like right in that breath of that moment in wrestling. Uh and then even, you know, he kind of bridged the gap with like uh Edge and Randy Orton from that generation to the establishing John Cena as the top guy generation. Um and yeah, you know, he's he, like he like Chris Jericho and like uh I don't know, uh, Brian Danielson that followed him. He was like one of those original, like wrestling, like message board favorites, smart favorites, work rate kind of favorite guys. So, you know, he, he, he does fit in this promotion. I think as long
1: as he loses, it's fine. Yeah. I'm sure he's going to lose. And that's kind of why I'm like, not at all worried about it. Yeah. Uh, next up we got Britt Baker, Nyla Rose and Maki Ito versus Hikaru Shida, Leo Mizunami, and Thunder Rosa, uh, Rosso, one she pinned ito with the fire thunder driver i guess that means ito will be heading back to uh, japan soon uh after the match brit attacked rosa with vicky and rebel and uh that would set up a match for next week's dynamite yeah that's pretty good yeah uh, I mean the uh, I mean I hate to say this, but the best
0: part was the Ito thing at the beginning
1: of the match.
2: I mean, she was so locked in her pitch. Come on,
0: Tony Schiavone great. Tony Chavoni is like when I reach Tony Schiavone's age in my field, I want to be as open to be like, hey, this is how things are now, and just like just go along with it and having a great time. And like by proxy, almost made Jr. not sound like a curmudgeon for once. Like it, it was it was a real like strong energy moment from everyone involved for for once like jr was not a fun police there
2: yeah the the commentary for sure enhanced this and like you know called attention to how ridiculous it was in a positive way for it landing yeah yeah it was good
1: uh matt hardy and private party were backstage hardy said he's been reflecting a lot the past few days uh they need to bring more money in so he signed a new unit and it's uh the butcher and the blade and the bunny and he says, the four of you are going to destroy four people on Elevation on Monday. Then the five of us are going to destroy Dark Order.
2: But I'm in the TH2? Uh,
1: I don't know. I guess they
0: are their
1: services high somewhere. Couldn't yeah.
0: make it. I was going to say their services have been complete as we saw uh, Jack Evans got the weed number money.
2: Jack <laughs> Evans is like on the pay-per-view a bunch too, and I don't really remember <laughs> what he did. But good, good to see that the Butcher and the Blade found a new mercenary landing place after eddie kingston just cut them cut them off
0: you, you know they they don't seem to be very loyal to their uh client. Capo? they're the combo yeah. because first it was mjf and then they kind of bust from there and then there was the whole thing with the bunny and qt marshall and then eddie like that was actually a pretty good run for them and now they're with the hardy party we'll see how long this lasts apparently he only has money for another three weeks so we'll see
2: well, they, they have been consistent that MJF they were mercenaries. The bunny was scamming QT for money and his credit card, uh, and here they're just getting money from Matt Hardy. So the outlier there is really that the Eddie Kingston family. So that I mean they could they could you know more firmly establish that hey these people are mercenaries in in the you know commentary or whatever.
1: Next up was the TNT title match: Darby Allen versus Scorpio Sky. Darby won with an inside cradle. After the match, Darby was doing the "I respect you" thing, uh, but Scorpio attacked him, locked in a heel hook for his heel turn, uh, and then Scorpio did the infamous "Why am I so violent?" hand sign.
2: And he did. Ooh, I'm so violent. I like it. And I'm I'm a heel now, even though I was a heel on TV last week or whatever. Uh, this was kind of exceeded my expectations because they had pulled out some nice little reversals and stuff seems like a lot of people were like oh Scorpio should win and I think they're kind of crazy right like you should definitely continue to build Darby Allen as a big star and also you should not just hot shot a title change because you're you're bored for a week or whatever that's like the worst possible thing you could do
1: yeah I thought this was an excellent match honestly and I didn't have. Uh, Great expectations going into it, but I thought they did a lot of cool stuff. I especially loved that spot where I can't remember exactly how Darby had a hold of him, but the only thing Scorpio could do was headbutt him in the back. Uh, I thought that was very, like, just a good, like, usage of your whole body. That's something that annoys me in wrestling. Like, for example, somebody's in some sort of submission hold, and they could just punch the other person, but they don't do it for some reason. That really irritates me. So I thought I really liked uh, that spot in this match. I guess my only thing is, I know, you know, Darby is a guy that they always want to give, like, banana peel wins to, but it's like, he can just beat Scorpio Sky, I think. Well, it's it's not a
2: banana peel it's that he's a better wrestler he did a wrestling reversal and beat him with a pin yeah it's like
1: him to hit his finisher and and beat him well Uh,
2: i mean they had they had too cool they had too cool of a reversal for his finisher to let him do it i think Mm -hmm. um but that's i think that's just part of we're supposed to understand that darby is good at doing these flash reversals into pins or whatever and that's like not a cheap way to win a match that's a that's a valid,
0: that's a talent
2: yeah that's a talent and a valid way to win a wrestling match in a you know supposed sport or whatever
0: yeah and and it's something that with like this match it's he has to go with that because of how beaten down he was is he dips into his wall of like he's was third place in the idaho freestyle wrestling competition in high school and he's like shown an aptitude throughout his career for if not having flash pens, being able to have pin holds down pat so it would make sense that he would tap into that reserve and going for the tk the tko he's like oh actually i could get this into an inside cradle and get out of here because i can't last much longer i think that actually shows a dimension to him that you don't see very often in north american wrestling so i thought that that was actually a really smart finish i thought i loved it i felt like that that it added a lot to the match and adds a dimension that i felt like provides more of an impetus for Sky for snapping because it wasn't that he lost by the, by the coffin drop or the last supper he lost because Darby scouted him out and took a chance and was able to find a hold there. So I think it worked across the board. Yeah. I hate yeah. finishes like this. I think everybody knows that. So I will that, continue to do that.
2: That was a uh, great points by Mike. Uh, and also this is perfect for Darby's character where his whole thing is, you know, I'm smaller than you, but I, I'm tougher and more he's resilient. taller
1: than Scorpio Sky.
2: That seems unlikely, but okay. They um, stood
1: next to each other in the ring. Darby was taller.
2: Wrestling match, I don't watch the match. Um, but it, you know, I'm gonna I'll survive you, I'm gonna be tougher, I'm gonna survive, and then I'm gonna find my opening and and, and beat you with what I'm good at. Uh, who, who shouldn't be doing that is Cody, who was doing that for a time. Cody is the guy who should be beating guys with the middle in his move. And being, you know, the dominant guy or whatever. So, yeah, it's a good, good way to draw
1: distinctions between your important characters. Inner Circle War Council up last. Um, did we cover this substantially enough?
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm. Oh, uh, you know, also Scorpio because he did the turn here. Does like maintain his heat? It's not like he's dead now because at least he has a new progression to his character. That's the other thing.
1: Yeah, to me, he's just like wasn't alive in the first place. So it's like, I don't know that he needs to maintain his heat. It's just like, right. He's just Scorpio sky. I don't know.
2: He was, he was off television and invisible for a long time. And now he's got a foothold. So he's by no means killed by losing a, you know, pretty good match to the title holder.
1: Yeah. Mike and I were talking about this morning. It's like, they had times where they, have heated up Scorpio for certain things. And like, somehow he gets this big title shot when he feels like as cold as he's really ever felt in the company. So kind of strange. All right. Um, I mean, the only thing we didn't say, I think was that they, well, no, you said Wardlow did his move. Yeah. Powerbomb Jericho off the, off the stage uh, before they went, went dark on the show. So that was dynamite. Uh, if you like this show, this show, everything elite and you want to support it best way to do so is to go to patreon.com slash everything elite subscribe we have three tiers you'll get all our audio on the five dollar tier the key to the eight dollar tier uh, primarily is that you get uh, this show live on wednesday nights immediately after dynamite the archive stays up on youtube um you know indefinitely so you can watch it or you can listen to it uh, all the way up until uh, it gets posted on our main feed so that's fun uh, we do. We did our instant reaction show this past week for Revolution. That was a very fun show. Uh, I think you'll still get something out of that if you want to go back uh, and listen to it. Uh, we do Light, where Mike and I preview Dynamite. And uh, Nate gives us all the the hot vlog content. Uh, we got plenty of stuff coming up the rest of the month. And if you're a new subscriber, we have a lot of new subscribers this month, as happens in pay-per-view months. Uh, make sure you join the Discord. Come hang out with us there. Uh, it's a lot of fun okay patreon.com slash everything elite make sure you check it out uh march 15th monday aw dark elevation premieres with paul white and tony shivani on commentary the matches we know so far jungle boy versus danny limelight and uh the butcher and the blade and private party
0: i assume versus yeah, we, some other people yeah, we don't we, know yet right yeah we just know it's an Atomicos. yeah
1: yeah. So, what's uh, Mike? Let's have a production meeting here. Okay. On the, yeah. Let's do it on the show. What What's
0: our content coverage strategy for this AEW Dark Elevation show? At the very least, I think for the first episode, I'm going to, I will have something for it. If you, oh, if, yeah. if either of y'all wanted to hop in with me on that, because for for that, just because I'm interested to in see what the format is, because they've like made it out to be like this is going to be a little bit more of like. Uh, established star versus newcomer personality packages so like I, I i at least for the first one especially since this week will be the final episode of your old pals go big show fun time jamboree double size edition i'm gonna be doing both the last nice. semi final and the final tomorrow on that so yeah i, I i'm gonna do something for that like i'll okay. take care of that yeah
1: so check that out on the patreon uh, after uh, the episode on on monday so that's cool i like that I'm trying to decide. I, I'm not sure, frankly, that I'm willing to watch two nights of YouTube content of extra wrestling matches. Probably going to pick one or the other. I'm going to watch on a weekly basis. Can we
2: farm this out? Didn't you say that Oat
1: expressed some interest? Oh, there—that's oh, true. We could just you bring somebody that. on. Was it Oat who said that?
2: I think I think you said it. So
1: okay, good. Well, yeah, we could just bring somebody on to do this. Uh, maybe that's a good idea. So we will we're going to look into that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we're
2: looking for looking for subcontractors.
1: <laughs> you got to do a better job than the uh, ex- the people who did the explosion <laughs> on Revolution. Yeah, th- third party uh, explosive ring people. <laughs> yes, of course. Uh, and then next week on Dynamite we have St. Patrick's Day Slam. Uh, Mox at a lot of just a lot of big matches mm-hmm. on this show. Uh, John Moxley and Eddie Kingston versus the Good Brothers. Cody versus Pentagon. Jurassic Express and Bear Country versus Matt Hardy, Private Party, and the Butcher and the Blade. Jade Cargill is in action. And the main event, a lights-out, unsanctioned, anything-goes match, Britt Baker versus Thunder Rosa.
0: I love this card. I think this, I'm really looking forward to this, at least on the outset. And, you know, with how much they've really built up Baker and Rosa, like this is a match that, you know, for like a blow-off, Main event and having it be like a lights-out, unsanctioned anything-goes match fits the feud. I think that that really rocks there. Now, if anyone doing this special show, especially right at the pay-per-view, this is what I would go with. So I think that that was a smart, pick, a smart piece of booking there. I, I'm looking forward to it. The, there's still a lot of things that happen that there's no answer for. So who knows if we're going to get a sixth match here, but we could have a lot more storyline things as well
2: really looking forward to uh reba as Britt's little hardcore assistant like rushing around the ring and like ferrying weapons and stuff to her for this that's going to greatly amuse me
1: what's the ch- what's the chance this ends up in a cage match this feud yeah
2: <sighs> well this this seems like the big gimmick match right
0: yeah yeah, but I guess can... they
2: did. They did do the big gimmick match before the parking lot brawl on on dynamite, yeah. I think. Um, but that kind of didn't work. So I think if you're going to do a gimmick match, it should be a blowoff.
1: My my brain just works this way, but uh, from watching way too much uh, WCW, but it just seems to me that like Brit should win this because all her henchmen can help her, right? And then Rosa has to come out and be like, "I got to find a way to make sure it's just me versus you." Yeah. And you can do that on pay per view. Yeah,
2: makes sense. Um, they've only done the one cage match, and it was great.
1: Yeah, yeah. They it's certainly not a step they've overused. Mm-hmm. So that's good. But yeah, I don't know. Just a thought. Of course, although I think people mention this every you know three weeks when something happens. But a lot of people suggesting that the the five horsemen inner circle angle could go to a war games match.
0: I. Until they start touring, I can't see them doing this match. Like, Yeah, that's... no war games until it's in front of fans. I think that's yeah, fair. Yeah, yeah.
1: That's fair. Okay, well, anything else for us to cover tonight, gentlemen?
2: Uh, but, uh, No.
0: I got nothing. I managed to cut my thumb open while we were doing the show. I'm doing great. Oh, no.
1: Yeah. Mike, you're not supposed to blade unless we get to 100 patrons, buddy. Well,
0: <laughs> they can't see it. So when we get to 100 that's patrons, true. they can see the blood. Like, I, I mean... I, I bleed real good, so it gets to a hundred.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's it. Patreon.com slash everything elite. Uh, if you want to I don't know, just read our tweets. They're at everythingAEW. I'm at Aaron Light like the Car, Nate's at Epitasis, Mike's at Fuji Heya. Subscribe to the podcast. Give us a five star Reagan review. Mike is tasting his own blood right now, everyone. We just want you to know.
0: I I, I mean, who has not tasted <laughs> their own blood? Like I don't feel like that that's like a weird thing <laughs> no. for someone yeah, to do.
2: Normal thing to do.
0: Yeah, okay. and it's like on the All it's right. on the bridge of my thumb, so like I'm trying to make sure I don't bleed everywhere on my desk.
2: All right, uh, uh, my Gangrel, Aaron
0: here. AKA David Heath.
2: <laughs> <laughs> get the goblet. We need to get a goblet, and then it's fine. Uh, uh, new it... n- debut rose single on Friday, so check oh. out your, your streaming
1: platforms. That's right. I understand you have uh, obtained the vinyl. I already haven't obtained it yet, but you ordered it.
2: No pre-order the, the the of course limited edition vinyl. Um, yeah, but yeah, she set a set a record for a solo artist pre-order numbers uh, and we'll probably
1: break half a million before it drops. Wow, what's what's the gimmick of the limited edition vinyl?
2: Uh they sell it to you for more money. Uh they sell <laughs> no, I, they sell more of them. I don't know.
1: <laughs> I mean is it a specific color? Oh I don't I don't think That's there's what stand, I'm looking for in a vinyl. I don't
2: think there's a standard edition vinyl. I think just the
1: vinyl in general is limited okay just hard to get a hold of the vinyl. I assume it's sold out.
2: Uh you know I don't know that. Okay, K K Town for you, probably the place to check uh, if you're okay. looking to get S B a gift here.
1: Oh, that's a good idea. I hadn't thought about that.
2: K Town for you with a with a four and a letter U.
1: Yeah, I see. I see that now. That's a great idea. I should have done. See, when you mentioned it, I was like, "Oh, that sounds cool," but I was like, "No, I don't really need that." Uh, but I didn't think about the idea of buying it for Sarah.
2: Very. There's a you know funny thing to K-pop where like it's also fandom centric and like. <laughs> Organizing to boost your faves that you stay in or whatever that on K Town for you they list the amount of sales underneath every product on there, so oh I'm yeah sure, I'm sure rose is the first item and it'll tell you how many of those they've sold directly underneath uh, it twenty three thousand four hundred and fifty eight there you go be one of the 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 how, lucky twenty four thousand
1: how limited is this
2: like I like I said it's you know not <laughs> there's no real genuine limit I don't think they just sell it to you for more money. Uh, you know, I don't think they're making a, a another vinyl run, is the only point. It's 50 bucks? That doesn't sound right. Uh, Maybe it is. Oh, well, I mean, the other thing about K-pop products is you're not buying it for the music at all. Like, it's two tracks. They just also pack in, like, you know, a, a jillion tchotchkes and shit.
0: Yeah. yeah. Like <laughs> I my, love this. Yeah, my Yukika album, like, came with, like, a fake passport that was, like, designed as her and, like, Polaroid Photo
1: cards. Yeah. 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 It says, content, package box, and LP, and will be announced later. <laughs> <So> <laughs> yeah. they don't even know what's going to be in it yet. It's
2: going to be, oh, you get, you know, one of six photo cards, and you get, uh, you know, miniature uh, photo book, and all these other things.
1: What do you guys think? I mean, uh, SP doesn't really care about vinyl, but do you think she'll just <clears throat> think this is cool? I mean, it's uh, neat to see I one.
0: Imagine.
1: Yeah. Well, I
2: mean, you can also just get the, there's also like three configurations of the CD version. Hmm. Much to consider. Two two of which are probably also considered a quote-unquote limited.
1: Yes, I'm sure. Okay, well, I'm going to think about that uh, as I prepare to go to bed after this episode. As the sequel kicks in, I will be thinking about what Rosé item to buy for my wife. So, uh, please help me buy this vinyl by heading to patreon.com slash everything elite and subscribing at the highest tier, please. All right, for Mike, for Nate, I'm Aaron. We'll see you next week.